How did Gymshark win 2020? Consumer research. They worked with a test to learn more about their audience's changing habits, then pivoted their business to meet those needs. Visit askatest.com and use fast, accurate consumer research to get ahead. It's growth without guesswork. There's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick, along with Kyle Guilfoyle. And today we are super excited to have the commander of conversion APIs, the master of multi-channel attribution reports for e-commerce, the founder of Wicked Reports, Scott DeGrossier. Uh, Welcome to the D2C Podcast, Scott. And I would like you to just start by telling us what your particular area of expertise is, if you're able to. Well, my background has always been in data. Um, I was the kid that when I was 10, back when we had old box computers called Commodore 64s, I remember. I would put all my, all my mom's um, Christmas cards and recipes, I would make databases with them. I don't even know why. I just knew how to do it from when I was like 10 years old. I just thought it was fun. And then I got, t- you know, then I just like, okay, these are easy and moved on. And then when I got older, I was like, hey, there's a lot of money in this database stuff. Maybe I should check it out. And then Attribution Master, you know, I, I I'm not going to run around saying I'm a master of a lot of things, but that I would say I've probably put 20,000 hours in on this topic. Literally, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, I've been thinking about this for a long time, probably longer than most. So I'll take that title. I appreciate it. Thank you. I love it. So, so, so databases, attribution, um, what's, what's, what's one thing about either of those or both of those, uh, that you wish you'd learned about years earlier, years ago? Oh, well, databases I've, you know, I realizing the power of them, how they were going to data was going to drive everything in life. It seems I didn't know that at the time, because I was way into the internet and all these things back when it was just like a screen without any browser. And I didn't realize it would remotely become the big deal it was today. So if I would have known that I probably would have done a, a fantasy baseball website with stats originally, because I used to do these complex spreadsheets to win my leagues when I was in like college. I would have like, you know, tried to exploit that earlier. I love it. What's, what's the high level message you'd give to e-commerce people, right? Cause I think, you know, we, we obviously we're going to talk about iOS 14, what's coming down, down the pike here. Everyone is ill prepared for it. People are, are, are flying around and very, in most, I think a lot of businesses will run off Google analytics or they'll run off the traffic platform data. What's your sort of top line message to brand owners right now about the power of data? Well, the the people that have the right data and know how to act on it aren't going to be impacted nearly as much as the people that aren't, that were just trusting Facebook's reporting because they had no reason not to potentially at the time. I mean, I still thought there were reasons to, but you could get by without having the best data. And now it's going to be much more of a, you need better data than a seven day attribution window that only values the last event. Because I mean, if you think about any e-commerce brand, I always like to say, look at, think with google.com is, you know, where Google does their thought pieces on things. And they have these customer journeys that they've described where someone's buying headphones and did 300 touch points and someone buying makeup and took a hundred touch points, which seems extreme to me. But even if it's less than that, no one just don't normally clicks and buys immediately the very first time they see an ad. 
And so, and if you have all your retargeting triggering happening, well, you need to know what got the people in the funnel to begin with, or you can't really scale if you don't know where the cold traffic comes from. So good data and good marketing attribution should be able to answer that question. And so much of, of, of e-commerce growth comes from that ability to trust your investment in a way, right? You know, you've got to kind of spend into the void to some extent, <laughs> you know, when you're starting. And so I feel like those people that are able to really understand what their downfield metrics are, uh, are going to be able to spend more aggressively and, and win the attention that you need at the top of the funnel in order to have a long LTV. I completely agree. Um, the first analysis I like to do with someone is new lead cohort without any attribution yet. Just look and see how many, how many leads did you get in a month? And then every month, how much are they worth to work backwards from actual sales you've had in the past to say, hey, what could you have paid for a lead? And based on that, when would you have broke even? And when would you have doubled your money to give you some baseline? Because when you can see that, hey, I've got like three years of Shopify sales and I've got like a Clavio you know, CRM or active campaign, one of those. And you can cross-reference and see, hey, you know what? Um, people have been taking time to buy. I just maybe wasn't aware of it or, you know, hopefully you were. Were you acting on it? That's always the first thing is that, yeah, you were spending into a void and then you have actual tangible rev uh, revenue proof that, hey, it worked. That's always, you know, good peace of mind. Um, and so... I have, this is potentially an unwieldy question, but um, I have always been super impressed uh, listening to you because you speak very lucidly about, um, you know, tracking and attribution and all this stuff that is uh, traditionally quite complicated. And what I would be so curious to hear from you is if you could sort of give us the map of your, of the journey you took to, um, you know, to to essentially build wicked reports, which, which is one of um, the, the best solutions I've seen out there um, when it comes to uh, showing this data in a way that's true and clear. Um, you know, like even in Google Analytics can be quite complicated, but when I see a wicked reports report, it looks simple and easy to understand, which I think is, you know, part of the art of the data. So, um, so I'm wondering, would you be able to break down that, that journey that you took? Sure. To That'd be fun. Reports? Yeah. And I mean, what Wicker Reports does now wasn't what it was when we first went live. When we first went live, we were using, uh, what was it? Clipfolio as our front end, which is a fine tool for if you want to throw up data in a dashboard, but not to run something what we were trying to do. So it had gone through many iterations and learning and listening to your customers and seeing what retains people <laughs> that, and seeing what makes people understand. But the journey for me started, well, I mean, I always uh, like to use data and systems to try and predict things. And I think my parents thought I was going to be a degenerate gambler, which, you know, it sounded kind of fun to do that. <laughs> so I was always into like trying to predict who was going to win the football games, who was going to win the dog races. We had a horse track. I had all this math. I'd do the score, the what's called racing form to try and predict which horse was going to win. My dad gave me like 20 bucks to try and make money with it. And I loved that idea. And so then when I was, uh, I was, I grew up, I got into databases and I, uh, originally I was a NASDAQ trader. And so I'd build, build trading systems. And this was back when you had to make phone calls. There's no concept of internet trading. And then I got into uh, databases and ran a bunch of systems at Motorola. And I was getting kind of bored with it. And I took this uh, 
thing called a passion test of some, you know, new agey book. And it was basically you, you list all the things that you, you like to do. And it is like a, I don't know, a process to eliminate them to figure out what would you most like to do. And mine was solve data, solve puzzles with data. Was like my thing I most enjoy doing. Like I go to the bookstore, find like a you know a bridge book, and then try to use it to figure out stats of what I should bid on bridge. I just love doing that stuff. So it was like my real passion, and I was I was good at it. Not a lot of people necessarily want to do that type of stuff. And so I started trying to look around for how I was going to do that. So this was like 2014. My friend Mark, uh, he runs GetMainLobster.com. It's now a 15 million a year e-com business. The time it was, he all he had a website. It did nothing. You know, he emailed his friends and family, and then he's like, "Oh shit, I built this business. No one wants to buy my lobsters." I'm like, and then we were living in Chicago at the time. We lived down the street from each other, and Groupon was a big thing, and only in Chicago. Like it was a real big thing. You had to be able to get in on Groupon and oh, you can go to this restaurant, get half price. It's awesome. Word spread like wildfire. So he got into Groupon just because we happen to know Chicago people. And he's like, Groupon's going to run a deal in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm nervous because I, I'm going to lose all this money. What am I? I mean, he didn't have any strategy or you know what he's going to do. I go, just double the prices. No one's buying from your crappy website anyway. And so he did that. And he sold like 80, I don't know, 80 kits of lobster, whatever they were. And he was like so depressed and Groupon called him and they were like thrilled. They go, this is like the most we've ever done in Birmingham for a deal. We're going to put you in DC. And he goes in DC, sells 900 and that off to the races, $2 million a year on one channel, which was Groupon. So he ran around did all the other deal sites at the time was a big thing. So that started to die out and he had no other channels. So he spent, this is, he spent four grand on Facebook. And he calls me, he goes, oh, Facebook sucks for lobster. And why is that? He goes, I spent four grand. I only got one sale. I lost my shirt. I'm not doing that anymore. And I was like, I don't know, man. I go, I feel like you should give it another shot. You know, just deciding doesn't work because you spent, you know, four grand. It seems puzzling to me. And he's like, well, I go, aren't they going to take time? Like, what if they buy like in a couple of weeks or something? And he's like, well, how am I going to know? And I was like, I don't know. I'll, I'll go figure something out. So I looked around and the only thing available was like, I don't know, 10 grand a month or something. Google analytics was just focused on last click at the time. And I was like, let me, you know, I cooked up some very convoluted scheme. And at the time we decided uh, New England guys, we were puzzled. You know, everyone was anti New England because we were winning all the sports titles, which was fantastic time. It's no longer the case. Yep. Very sad about that. Brady <laughs> left. Time, you're, done. Was like, you're done now. <laughs> we're like, why are we getting all this grief? We sucked forever. And now we're finally good at stuff. So the ad set he decided to do was likes the Patriots or Red Sox, but doesn't, doesn't live in New England. So it was very simple, but also logical. It's like, why would you like one of our teams unless you must be from the area? And if you're not living in the area, it means you can't get lobster cheap. So maybe you'll do it. And I said, just spend like five grand. We're going to run a simple lead gen, which is, and we'll get into this later. It's still a good tactic, especially now with the new rules. I said, just opt in, get them opt in for, you know, whatever deal you're going to do, and then just redirect them to the deal. And if they don't buy, I'll at least know they came from the ad and we'll see what happened. Well, lo and behold, um, he ran it for the month, about broke even. And then two months later, he was up 10 to one. And so his only real game, he had a little bit of retargeting, but it was just get leads. And then he'd email like three times a week. And he had a good touch with email. He'd do wrap in his personal stories. Cause I mean, e-com, it's always, every email is like, 
please buy my stuff. <laughs> That's yeah. the only reason why you're emailing him. You got a story tell though. Yeah. And he story tells like he'll just yep. look at, I don't know. He just looks at he's a really good gift for that. Like Valentine's Day, obviously he can write her about that, but you do his birthday. It's my birthday. I'm going to give you 55% off. And then every hour it's going to go down. If you all convoluted and people eat it up hmm. convoluted to me, I'm logical. I'm just like, tell me the deal. Do I want to buy it up. But he did a whole story. People love it. So that, so from that, I, uh, I told this guy at Infusionsoft that I knew, I was like, Hey, I got this way of tracking, uh, you know, and I was an Infusionsoft consultant at the time was a side hobby. He's like, Oh my God, he goes, you got to present at our high level mastermind. I did that. And I sold like 30 grand in pivot tables while I was moving back to new England in like three weeks, just using Alan Weiss's proposal, two page proposal and just saying, Hey, I can prove what's going on. It's five grand or 10 grand for this or whatever. And I was like, hey, honey, we just paid for the move. And then someone, my little side hobby, I was working on at night. And then all the tools I needed to fulfill that turned into Wicked Reports. So help me understand specifically, like what, what, what was the big differentiator in this lobster case? It was the targeting that you picked, you know, which was a, a feature of the, of the traffic platform. I think that made sense. And then was it, is, is, was it the, really the ability just to track uh, conversions over time that are outside of the conversion window that made all the difference in this particular campaign? It was, and it was that the campaign, um, you know, if you have, uh, because he still had campaigns he was trying to get people to buy and those may or may not work but it was le- the basic premise that i've still seen with ecom is leads take time to buy people take time to buy and it's not always clear and yeah if, if something's cheap in a commodity yeah you know people just shell out but once you get up to 100 bucks or it's recurring or you know anything that's out premium like i just bought some protein powder for 80 bucks i was kind of stressed about it but i've known about the brand for like 2 years <laughs> so i finally was like you know i'm going to pay the 80 bucks uh whereas before i'd be like oh protein i'm only going to pay 40 uh it was leads take time to buy and we knew that cuz we ran an analysis cross referencing as clavio he has two crms clavio and infusionsoft against his shopify and i was like his average time to buy was 40 days i was like anyone that doesn't buy right away takes an average of 40 days and he was like what? No way. And I just had all the actual email addresses cross-referenced and, uh, and he's since got that down to 20 days. Cause he's, you know, his advertising has improved over time, but still the, you know, the initial impression on things, people, you know, even if they, even if it wasn't exp- that expensive, you get distracted, you know, kids are barking at you cause of COVID. <laughs> I don't know. And Wife has something she wants me to do always. Know. Oh, you know, cause I was trying to buy some $80, She's like 80 bucks, my magic number here. Just yesterday, trying to buy these scuffs at uh, these, you know, slippers I wore out from LL Bean. Well, I've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks. They've been retargeting me, but I just hadn't got around to it, you know, or just something always came up or I was just like, do I really want to spend this much on freaking slippers? And then finally I did. But that what I finally bought wasn't like what made me buy. It just happened to be whatever came up because I'm like ready to buy. Yep. It was like a weeks ago when I first started prowling around deciding which ones I wanted. That was when I really was making the decision. Then I just got life distracted. And so it's that delayed conversion time that made the huge difference for him. And then we started seeing this onslaught of people with very similar situations, either e-com or courses, training, all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, essentially the approach is uh, you're, rather than spending money on ads or whatever to sell stuff, you're spending money on ads to build your 
you know, your owned media channels, right? Like kind of, it's kind of like you're, you're building your own radio station or, or whatever, so that you can then reach um, your audience on your own terms, as opposed to always having to put more money in to reach them. Um, a, so my, I have a question, A, would you say that that is accurate? And B, it, could you ever foresee a time where that, like that approach wouldn't work? It, it seems kind of like a timeless strategy that should just always kind of work. Yeah. Um, I would say that, that building your own radio network analogy. I like that. I hadn't heard that before. That's pretty slick. Um, uh, for me, it's that whenever you have a marketing campaign, assume you have a goal. I mean, yeah, you always want people to sell, but if you have just keep it simple, top, middle, bottom of the funnel and whatever your criteria is for that, you got to measure them with an attribution model of scoring the revenue that makes sense based on what your intention was with the campaign. So if you're just trying to target cold traffic, you need to measure and make sure it's actually cold because a lot of times it is. And people say, well, I restricted my email list. It should be. And well, I don't know what happened, but there's like a 20% of those were already on your list somehow. And then if it's really, you know, middle, whatever you mean by that, then it has to really be middle and has to be scored accordingly. And if it's bottom, then yeah, you just want people to buy. And then if it's top of the funnel, though, it gets more challenging, but that's where the the big edges, because particularly now with the seven day windows and the, and the events restrictions, that data is not even going to be in Facebook. So you need to get it somehow, me somewhere. I mean, do it on your own, whatever it is you're doing. It's a huge edge to whoever's doing it versus anyone in the same competition, uh, your competition that is. When this change happens, uh, which could be any day now, I guess, uh, you know, this, this prompt could be popped, uh, you know, any day now, any week now. Um, the fact is, the people who opt out will not show up as conversions. There's no, is that, is that accurate? They will just sort of disappear from the system. So there's a lot of talk around this. And so what I have, what I have learned from my first Facebook managers from very detailed. So I talked to the, they tried to get us to do the conversion API two years ago. We were the second company whitelisted to do it. We said no, because I had all kinds of issues at the time. They've worked some of them out, some they haven't. A big one is you've got to dedupe. If you're running the pixel and the conversion API at the same time, it, conversion API can be great, um, great pixel insurance as long as you use a dedupe key that you got to code up. That's a whole convoluted situation that I don't want to bore you with. But my Facebook part, marketing partner managers and the people who wrote the code that we talked with said that they wouldn't show up. But then the Facebook did a webinar that said one of the events would show up. So this conflicting info in the past two months from them, which I don't have clarity on, we'll know when it hits, really. So if they use the, the last event, let's assume they're going to show something. It doesn't seem fair that if you collect the data, you should be able to report it. If they opt out that maybe Facebook can't target them, it should seem like it would still show up there. But what we heard, what, what we were told is no. And then what they presented was, well, no for seven events, but yes for one event. So they will show the sale, but they won't show the lead or the initiate checkout or view content, all the other ones that are important because that's what leads to the sale. So we'll see. And, you know? and wicked reports can fill in those blanks, but not in real time. Is that is that do I understand that right? That you will be able to to backfill touch points so that you can get a, a clear picture of, of what's happening, but it won't be able to happen in real time the way it has been happening with Facebook. Correct. And that's because we consider cross channel and Facebook and Google's metrics aren't real time themselves. They're close to real time, but they're not. So we have to rely on pulling the ad spend because we could report the conversion real time, but we wouldn't have the ad spend real time. Mm. 
And so then the ROI would look better and you might spend more and then all of a sudden it goes down and I don't ever want people to waste their money because of something I told them. <laughs> so I was like, geez, we kind of got to wait. So I was all over the dev team. I was like, we do such complicated things. Why can't we just shove it in? I used to write the database code myself. I was like, just shove it in there real time. But you can't because we won't have the ad spend. We can't get it real time. So that's the, we still push the conversions into Google once a day. And that's because Google's product managers have advised us they, the algorithm wants once a day because they want, they don't like volatility. So I know there's other people out there that say, hey, I get great results because I push in, you know, conversions every minute on Google or whatever. Well, the product managers told us don't do that. So, I mean, I'm sure there's people that are having success, but I kind of listen to, you know, if Google tells me something, I try to listen. <laughs> and and so we've, we've been, you know, we've been hearing about the iOS 14 thing for, you know, some time now. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly we haven't all felt the, the full-fledged impact of it. But that said, since, since we've you know been listening to it, and you specifically have probably been listening to people's reactions more than most, I'm curious what, what you're hearing or what you're noticing um, about people's reactions that's probably just plain wrong or, or kind of off or, you know, what, what are folks misconstruing about it? Well, some people are saying that, uh, you know, to say that Wicker reports or anyone that does measurement can completely solve the problem isn't true. And some people are out there saying, hey, we can completely solve it. And I knew that there's going to be, you know, that possibility of people saying that because you can't get Facebook can't suddenly say, oh, thank you for this data. I'm now going to target someone that's opted out or I'm going to be able to do anything that like they're restricted from Apple. So you can't get around that. Um, but wh where we can't, where any measurement platform can fill it in is that showing conversions that Facebook can't show, particularly top and middle of the funnel, which are super important. Um, I think some people are way overreacting. And then, I mean, there's so much change in this industry all the time. That's what kind of makes it interesting and also sometimes frustrating. You get everything all dialed in and then, oh, damn, I got to go learn something else. <laughs> but it also, one thing that has been uh, coming up as a trend and it, it's a good one is that people are realizing they got to diversify because, you know, all these Facebook account bans. I mean, I can't imagine getting your account banned and you didn't deserve it. That's like the worst feeling ever. Mm. Sympathize. We've, we've helped a few people get out of that mess, but it's no like guarantee. I only have a little bit better luck than the average support request. We've helped a few. Um, so that's, it's really begging the, you know, making it aware that you can't have all your eggs in any one basket and the, the value of your own data. So, I mean, even if you're doing e-com, just doing a, a simple, whatever your offer is going to be, just doing it as an opt-in page and then redirecting them to it, which is what I did We back 2014, then you're getting the data. Then you can run around and target them much easier, or at least you can market to them through email, if nothing else, or you can use all these other cool retargeting platforms that have come up. Um, that's, a, that's one that's, we're already seeing more push on that pin. People get, Econ get a lot more interested in Pinterest, what I've seen. And, and pushes, it pushes the focus higher up too. So you're not, you're not looking at everything in a silo, I think, right? You really want to be able to, as an agency, you know, we're always trying to work with uh, companies on as many fronts as possible on Google, on email, on Amazon. We want to, we want to, you know, we have teams built around each of those specific channels. And then as an agency, we want to do as many of those as possible. And then especially in this age of iOS 14, take a high enough vantage point on all of them so that, you know, everything that we touch, we can kind of just look at our, our, our high level impact and uh, across all channels. We may lose some granularity, but if we have that high level perspective, we should be able to provide value. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Yeah, because the doing it, looking at a multi-channel, well, you'll figure out where the real credit deserves. Like, um, 
text has been doing gangbusters. People of ours that have attentive or postscript, killing it. That's a great bottom of the funnel. Text really works well. But then that works well with the top of the funnel, like buy leads on Facebook or Google, close them on attentive or postscript. And so I don't know how that's going to report necessarily on iOS 14 with Facebook, but I mean, we'd be able to handle that. But that's something to support your argument that we've seen people have a lot of luck with. Interesting. So um, I, I have a, a practical question to follow up this one that just occurred to me. It's just a curiosity, um, maybe, I don't know. So, so it, it strikes me that you have kids based on, um, based on the, your background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just a poster of my two daughters. Maybe I have three. I'm well, I don't know why this popped in my head, but I'm really curious how you uh, explain to them uh, what, what you do and maybe how you explain marketing to them. I, I just, I'm very curious. Yeah, um, we do because my wife also works for us. We have uh, 20, we're hiring seven right now. What do we have? 24, maybe 24. We're hiring like seven at the moment. So my wife also works. She, she works in the sales piece and then I'm here. So they're very aware of Wicked Reports. <laughs> like we're on a vacation. I go, we're going on vacation because of Wicked Reports. So don't complain when I say, hey, you got to go upstairs. I'm working. <laughs> um we, I try to, whenever they want something or when I see them, when they see an ad on YouTube is when that's my opening. When I say, Hey, see that ad? Or when they saw one of my ads they were retargeted on and, and, or uh, one of my youngest, my four-year-old was like, Hey daddy. <laughs> and it was on my son's uh, PC. And then I'd be explained to the two older ones, what was going on. I'd be okay. So see that ad. So now if you were to go click and buy some of our reports, I'd know that that ad was what made you buy the stuff. And they're like, Oh, so it was very, you know, visceral because it was me that popped up yeah. and they pointed it out while they were on YouTube horsing around. That's interesting. So um, I want to get back into, so one of the, I, I've been interested in attribution. It's funny. I remember being at that ad tech in 2008 in New York when has offers uh, had a big sign on their, on their booth that said, we track mobile apps and they were, they were tracking mobile apps, conversion apps. Uh, they newsflash, they actually couldn't at that time. Uh, they were, they were like all affiliate kind of companies. They were sorting it out on the fly. But one of the things that kind of came up when I was looking into that was this idea of like fractional attribution or, or an idea of being able to, you know, provide assists across different platforms. And I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Well, you know, one of the things we talk about here is uh, something we call the Facebook Amazon bridge, which is this ability to, you know, increase your, your Amazon sales, you know, just through the, the fact that you're advertising on Facebook, you're going to increase your Amazon sales, knowing what that impact is. Does your tool, does, does Wicked Reports help you understand the leverage that each traffic platform gives to the others? Yeah. So we have uh, six different models and two of them are multi-touch and four are single touch because the idea being like for on the e-com lead gen scenario, if you just want to see what, what brought you great new leads, we'll just measure that point. What created the lead and give all the revenue credit for that model. So we do a, uh, a fractional one where we divide it up based on, we, we, we always start with real conversions. So like if you go to Shopify, Klaviyo setup, Klaviyo conversions, Shopify conversions, and then like recharge maybe, and you get recharge conversions. We load them all in and then divvy up the credit for the, the revenue across the different touches that converted that person. So I like fractional because it reconciles to your actual revenue, which mm -hmm. is nice. 
because you're used to always like looking into Google ads and looking at Facebook and seeing if you count up all the sales, it's more than you actually did in a day. In some cases, you're like, oh, this sucks. How do I know? So that's why we always try to reconcile to the cart, all but one of our models. We have one that people like that doesn't. And it was one I did early, so I'm kind of stuck supporting it. <laughs> it actually is pretty good because it just gives a signal. If you're just like, I want full revenue as a signal and not reconcile, we have one that overcounts some uh, by design. So I, I like fractional because then it, then whenever I'm looking at a day, it's not overcounting my money. So mm. that's why I like it. And you can always tweak the percentages to, to reflect, you know, wh whatever you want in a way, right? But it always totals to that same number. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, cool. I, yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for it's. It's interesting to have these tools. I was saying in the intro a little bit. These tools that we've used in the affiliate marketing game for a long time uh, become become you know more popular again or more necessary again. Um, I I just I'm wondering because you probably work with a lot of e-commerce people that kind of come into this space and they're probably maybe they're underprepared, maybe they don't, they don't quite understand, you know, what they need to do. I'm curious, like, what's your onboarding procedure like for people in terms of like guidance? Are you, are you talking with them about, Hey, you really need to look at, at gating, um, you know, coming up with an email submit first so that you can, you can build, build these leads in like with wicked reports, what level of, of sort of like consulting are you providing people as they come in? So we, we scale that support up or down based on what the people need. Mm. So the, the people that assign to them, sometimes people come in and they're whizzes and they don't, they just want to like make, have us give a look, see that their data is tight and then they're off in their merry way making money. And then other people want to question every single conversion. Why is it this? Instead, why doesn't it match Facebook? That was the common one. I'd be like, why would you buy us if we were going to match Facebook? Just wire it up to Google dashboard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, no, we have a, uh, I personally rebuilt the onboarding this over the past year and it led to, I mean, we're growing hundred percent and it's because the onboarding got overhauled. So it's based on specific milestones. So rather than just vomit everything all over everyone, we have certain milestones. We're tracking how, what percentage of orders are we tracking? If it's high enough, then we know, okay, the data's healthy. Now, do you understand your customer lifetime value and buying cycle? That's that stuff we talked about with how long that Mark's leads took to buy. And then we're like, okay, now here's how the attribution models, do you know how to use each one and why you should use each one and how to scale? That was one where we needed the most work because I realized it would be like, sometimes the reps would get on or I'd be pulled in if it was a big account and we have to like whip around and do a magic show and pull it out. And I was like, that sh this should be just repeatable. It should just be the same stuff every time. So I just rebuilt these frameworks now so that they can be consumed in 10 minutes in app. But also if, if, if my, if someone on my team's on with them, they just pull it up. The same training that I'm I've given you is, you know, it's, um, it's like an outline or like, you know, it's just like an outline. It's like, Hey, this is how we're going to scale this. And so that, that's just being injected in now as, as a learning that because if people, for our people that act and use the data, they never leave. And, and if, and if people don't understand it or, or aren't like logging in then they always leave. <laughs> yeah. So it's very binary to us. We have to get you to like, and use the data. Um, the tip, the, the, in terms of the advertising tips, we're getting into that. because so some of it's with, um, you know, like Google for lead gen now is a lot better than it used to be. And now people are looking for another one. So we got a course coming out on that just a free service. We won't onboard you on that, but it's like an add on. Um, it depends a lot on the tech stack. So if you come in your Shopify and anything, it's usually quite easy. 
And then we can spend either a little extra time educating and training on the reports. If you come in, you got your own custom CRM, and then you're zapping this thing from here to here, and you're collecting clicks through, you know, if, if your tech stack takes you a minute, two minutes to describe, then the onboarding's longer. Um, and Makes that's, and it, yeah, you know, and so that's how it works. I mean, Google's super easy to track. It's a template at the account level. Facebook is, we auto tag all the ads. So the work okay. that comes in there is if you have a high social proof ad, then you got to manually update that one if you don't want to lose the proof. And then all the others, we just start auto tagging. And, and just from like a, a higher level based on, you know, where we're at right now, um, what, like, what would you recommend DTC brands focus on over the next, like, you know, five, six months, like, you know, what should they be doing month after month? And I, I, um, imagine like I'd, at this point, I'd probably reference your, you, you wrote a wonderful, um, a short article, um, called, I believe it was called the truth, uh, the truth about iOS 14. Um, and, and you give some really good, um, practical things that folks can do. So yeah, I'm just wondering if you'd be able to walk us through what you'd recommend folks focus on over the next few months. Sure. Uh, diversifying the channels. So in, including Google and, and probably pin would be starters, maybe like a retargeting platform, like perfect audience, maybe, or one of those other ones, try one of those out. Rakuten's worked out pretty good for some people, which I don't vaguely even follow how it works. I've just seen some high revenue numbers. <laughs> so Rakuten is, is, is something that is worth looking into. Uh, text for sure. If you're not already doing that, the text numbers we see are, I mean, everyone raves about text to close people. Yep. Um, upping your email game because, you know, you buy all, you get, you get all these people coming in, you know, people don't need to do abandoned cart and then maybe, you know, a few offers here and there, but the personal story stuff you mentioned, that's worked really well for some people really well. Um, and then top of the funnel, uh, lead capture. So lead capture, meaning again, not like you're going to nurture them with like some big hearts, you know, 21 infusion soft custom funnel walking them through your life story but just take your best offer and gate it and you'll be surprised and people and you can run it right next to your offer it's not like you know the ad police someone some customer is going to notice hey wait a minute i didn't have to opt in i'm going to put it on facebook and no one's ever going to buy from you again <laughs> like people are freaking busy no one gives a crap what you're doing no one cares at all so why not capture the leads um, because then you can get them on email, you can retarget them, you know, upload them to the list, all that razzmatazz, but also they're already aware of your stuff. So you can talk to them differently in the ads, you know, with all, I'm, I'm not good at advertising hooks and all that, but your whole messaging changes because you can meet them where they are because now they're not cold, they're known. And I mean, that just works so well, particularly like the lifetime value. We'll log in and see some people that have like five, $6,000 lifetime value of a hundred dollar product. They just keep buying it or buying multiples or particularly in food and supplements, all the recurring and all the course people. And uh, you won't know that if you don't track it. But furthermore, it's just going to be a huge edge now that there's only a seven-day window in Facebook and they're only reporting on the last event. So all your customers that bought within seven days, you won't know if they're a lead or if they're a lead earlier than that, how are you going to time to revenue? It's just a huge edge. And any data can have you an edge, then that's how you can just make easy money. I mean... No money is just easy, but easier money, <laughs> easier money than not doing it. So those are things that I think are just huge opportunities for people right now. It's not like, oh my God, Facebook's dead and all the traffic's still there. And there's all these things that are going to work really well that a lot of people aren't going to do. 
So it's like going to be a fantastic year for a lot of people that act on them, in my opinion. Love it. Okay, we got a rapid fire section here. What is the best educational resource new brand owners can use to become better uh, about their data? Okay, well, our Wicked Reports YouTube channel is going through a massive uplift. I'm on vacation right now. I just cut like 30 videos and they're all five to 10 minutes and they're going live on our YouTube channel last week of February. We had a video editor tuning them up. Inspiration to me was Ahrefs, an incredible SEO software. They're a humongous really company, are. like 50 million a year. And th their YouTube channel is like unbelievable. And I just said, I want my videos to be better like those. So <laughs> they are now, or at least the, the new ones are going to be. So they, they I would say I'm going to have it. It's got the Wicked Academy will be one of my playlists and it will have everything I know about attribution there. Amazing. Can't wait awesome. to check it out. Awesome. And um, okay. Next, next question here is uh, what's your, what's your favorite uh, SaaS product that, that isn't Wicked Reports? HubSpot. We use HubSpot. it for everything. We use it for CRM. We use it for sales. We use it for service. Um, our CS team uses it. We use it for our help docs. We use pretty much every feature they have. I love it. It's a beautiful product. It does everything well. It's crazy expensive, but I mean, it's covering all these different things we need, particularly tying in the help desk was like incredible. Just one less thing we have to go to. HubSpot is amazing. I, I think I think I'm going to revisit it. Um, and they also they also just bought uh, the Hustle and Trends. Do you hear about that? I did. I was like, they just announced that today. It does a lot of things really well. Um, the deliverability is great. It, it's, I love it. Cool. What's your favorite e-commerce or marketing book that you wish you'd read earlier? Um, you know, I might date myself a little, but Perry Marshall's, uh, the one that he wrote, uh, the AdWords one, I forget the label. I've read it and just, I loved it. I love the way he thought. I loved everything about it. I ended up joining one of his masterminds, going to his house, went out partying with him. The ultimate guide to Google AdWords. The ultimate guide. That's what it was. Very cool. Even though it, it published in 2006, I wonder if there's an update too, but I'm sure a lot of the fundamental principles are the same. Yeah, that was my, that was my favorite one. Um, nice. And the geekiest question that we have, what is your favorite Excel function? VLOOKUP. Just classic, just database nerd stuff. I love it. I don't even know how to do that. I, I, the best thing I know how to do is concatenate. That's the best thing I can do, which is not even that cool. A lot of cool stuff. I like it. Nice. I love it. And the last one is if you had a $50,000 grant given to you uh, for, to, grow, you know, to grow Wicked Reports, what part of your business would you put it into right now? YouTube. YouTube. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. The targeting is incredible. I mean- we have a whole big thing launching there now because we've just even from just our testing of a three to five grand was like making back money fast, which normally attribution is such a consideration. Our consideration process, people usually take like three weeks and people were closing faster than that. Um, I was blown away with the targeting. You know, you can just put in people that search this website or visited this website, show them this ad. I mean, that's so just easy to understand and execute on. Nice. Awesome. We should, we should, uh, we should check out YouTube for sure. And, uh, and just, just before we, uh, wrap up here, is, is there, uh, is there anything that we, we should have asked you that we did not? 
This was a thorough interview. I don't really, I don't really have any additional ones to No, It was, you guys were all over it. We Thanks. didn't even give you a chance to commiserate about Tom Brady, uh, you know, winning the Super Bowl without Bill Belichick as a, as a new England sports fan. I'm also, I'm a Canucks fan. So I, I can't even believe I'm on, oh. on a call with a, with oh. a Boston Bruins fan. So I shouldn't have worn my Martian jersey then. Oh, gee, the rat is the worst anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a fun Stanley Cup, the animosity, oh. and probably not for you, the ending, but it was just like, <laughs> such the teams disliked each other so much. I awesome. will I will tell you my one of my greatest sports fantasies, and it's based on that series. And it's based, have you ever seen the movie Back to the Future where he goes back in time to convince his father to be tough and to punch out the bully? Yeah. I, if I had a time machine, I would go back and I would convince Daniel Sedin when he's getting gloved, punched in the face over and over again in front of the net by Marchand, yeah. that yeah. he just would have decked him, just hauled off he and decked, decked him. him. And it could have changed the whole series. Between that and Tim Thomas punching Daniel Sedin on a breakaway uh, as a goalie, yeah. th- those two factors, I think, define the series. And, uh, and I'm glad we could get into the really important stuff. Well, you know why Boston fans love Vancouver is you guys trade us Cam Neely. Oh, that's even that's worse. That's before my time, but I don't, I can't get into it. Oh, Scott, man, <laughs> <laughs> great way to end it on a high note, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This will come out in a few weeks. We'd love it if you share it around Definitely. and, uh, and yeah, as, as people, you know, enter your orbit, they want to know about directing and super marketing, make sure that you steer them towards our newsletter and we will do the same on the tracking front. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks Scott.